Welcome to the Lighthouse Baptist Church Sermon Archive. Today, you'll be listening to a message from the Word of God. Though preaching is no substitute for your personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, it does have the potential to convict and edify the believer. Please listen and be open to this message preached from the pulpit of Lighthouse Baptist Church. If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, I invite you to take it. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 this morning. And we'll start in verse 1. And I'll read down through verse 11. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Titus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are, are unprofitable and vain." A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. God, I pray that you will use the reading of your word. We know it will not return void. I pray that you will speak to each and every heart in this room today. I pray that if there is someone here today that has never submitted themselves to you in the area of salvation, if they've never had their sins forgiven, if they've never identified with you, that today would be the day they do that. I pray that today will be the day of salvation for them. And we'll ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have come to the, if you can believe this or not, we've come to the seventh message in our series entitled, The Letters to the Leaders. We've been hitting some highlights in First and Second Timothy as well as Titus, and these books are often referred to as the pastoral epistles. And I believe the overarching truth that we've seen through the messages is that every Christian is called to be a leader. Brother Steve, I didn't tell you what I was preaching on this morning, but I'll tell you it dovetailed right into it, and I thank you for that. Every Christian is called to be a leader. That's what we've been seeing for the past six weeks. 
In some capacity, you are called to lead. You are leading someone. You have someone in your life that you are leading in some way. Parents, you're leading children. Employers, you're leading employees. Pastors are leading congregations. Teachers are leading students. Teenagers are leading those over which they have influence. So although these books of the Bible are written to church leaders, and that's certainly true, I believe these principles in these books carry over into every aspect of the Christian life. And in most cases, Paul is telling Timothy and Titus, Timothy and Titus, tell the church this. Tell the church these things. Christians' leadership principles aren't just for CEOs. Leadership principles are for every Christian if they're going to lead biblically. So in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is exhorting Titus to remind the church about some things that they've already been told. Both Timothy and Titus had been put in charge of certain groups in the church, and Timothy had been left at Ephesus, and Titus had been left at Crete. Both young men were left in, let's just say, less than favorable conditions as there were problems that needed to be addressed by both of these men. Paul left Timothy in Ephesus with false teachers and Paul left Titus in Crete with rebellious people. So in studying these books of the Bible, there were several times that I wanted to say to Paul for Timothy and Titus, thanks a lot, Paul right? Uh, have fun on your next missionary adventure. We'll be, we'll be here in Ephesus and in Crete taking care of all the spiritual garbage that's going on. We hope you have a nice trip. You say that a little bit in jest, but in reality, that's exactly what's taking place here. Titus was left to tend with a very rough group of people who were ready to fight at a moment's notice. Paul tells them that. Look at verse 5 of Titus chapter 1. Bible says, For this cause left I thee in Crete. This is Paul talking to Titus. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. This was Paul's way of saying, there are some things that are out of order in Crete, Titus. I want you to set them in order, and then I want you to ordain pastors in every city on that island. This was the southern island of Greece in the Mediterranean Sea. It's a large island, uh, approximately 100 miles southeast of the Greek mainland. It marks the southern border of the Aegean Sea. Crete is mentioned in the account of Paul's sea journey to Rome and as the location for the ministry of Titus here in Titus chapter 1. Crete is a long, narrow island spanning about 160 miles from east to west. At its widest point, it's roughly 30 mi 35 miles across from north to south. And then a ridge of mountains runs the length of the island. The highest peak, Mount Ida, stands at over 8,000 feet on this island. So, under favorable conditions, ancients could have sailed from Greece to Crete. That was about 100 miles. And they could do that in one or two days. 
So Paul writes this letter to Titus and says, Titus, I want you to stay on the island. I want you to stay in Crete and take care of that spiritual business at hand. And how many of you have ever gotten, have ever gotten what, what appears to seem like good news and then somebody slips some bad news in right at the end, right? Well, Paul kind of did this in chapter 1 of Titus because he said in verse 5, Titus, now I'm going to leave you here and I'm gonna, I want you to take care of the things that are wanting and I want you to adore, uh, 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 put elders in charge and put pastors in charge in every city on the island. But then I want you to jump down to verse 12 of chapter 1 of Titus. Because this is probably, you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us everything. This is probably after Titus already agreed, right? This is probably after Titus had already in his mind said, yes, I'll do that. And then he gets to the part in the letter that Paul didn't put at the front of the letter. Let's notice that under the Holy Spirit inspiration of God. He saves this part till verse 12. One of themselves, in other words, one of the people in Crete, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars. Evil beasts. Slow bellies. But Titus, that's where I want you to minister. That's where I want you to be. It's said that Crete was so bad that it was once a haven for pirates. This is where they hung out. This is where they, this is where they went to, to for a pirate to feel safe. They went to Crete. The Cretans did not think highly of, nor did they submit to the law. And I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the law of the land. They hated it. They hated it. They didn't like authority of any kind. So Paul was kind enough to leave Timothy this ministry. Here's a principle that I take away from this pastoral epistle. And this is just introduction. We'll go quickly through these points. But here's a principle that I take away from this pastoral epistle. Everyone needs to be saved. And every place needs a church. Everyone needs to be saved. And every place needs a church. But it was going to take someone special to minister to these people. It was going to take someone with some bold leadership. And so that's why this week we're entitling the message, Leaders Lead Boldly. Leaders Lead Boldly. The word bold is translation of four Greek words in the New Testament. And boldness, boldness denotes two things in the New Testament. First, boldness describes the courageous manner of those who preach the gospel. You do know that as we go along in our culture, what I'm doing at this present moment is going to become more dangerous. May seem like nothing now, but if I were to get up here and preach the whole counsel of God, it could come a day that I could be put in jail for that. When we talk about being bold, we're talking about being courageous. We're talking about proclaiming the gospel. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You see, their boldness pictured Jesus. 
in the New Testament, it also denotes a moral freedom to speak the truth publicly. Second, boldness describes the confidence with which Christian people can now approach God because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Christians, because we can have boldness with Christ, we can have boldness in this world. There is, however, as with anything in the Christian life, there is some criteria for being bold. There's some guidelines for being bold. There, there's some rules for being bold. And here's a good principle Boldness without the Holy Spirit is arrogance. Boldness without the Holy Spirit is arrogance. Remember, every emotion and character trait should be filtered through the Word of God. Without the boldness afforded to us to enter into the throne room of God, whenever we want, there is no effective boldness in the world. If I can't be bold at the throne room with God, how in the world can I be bold proclaiming the gospel? How in the world can we be bold proclaiming truth? But praise God, we can be bold proclaiming truth. Praise God, I can be bold proclaiming the gospel this morning because God said, come. You, Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and because His blood is covering us, we can be bold with God and therefore boldness is something we can also have in God's work on this earth. And there was no way that Titus was going to be able to reach these Christian, Christian people without God's directing and leading. You have, you, some of you have a ministry. I hope you're back tonight. We're going to talk about the ministries of Lighthouse Baptist Church and I'm going to show you the people that are involved in them. And when you start counting, there is well over 70 people that make a weekend happen here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. There are people that have ministries here. There are people that have outreach opportunities here. But let me tell you something. We can't do it without the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, which gives us the boldness to continue. If we're going to go and boldly reach a lost world and point them to Jesus Christ, we are going to have to have some Holy Spirit empowerment that is exempt from arrogance and narcissism. Can't have it. Can't have it. So when I'm talking about boldness this morning, I'm not talking about beating our chests. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about showing our strength. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit-empowered boldness that works through, contrary to what the world thinks, by the way, His boldness works through humility, peace, and an inner strength that only Christ can give through His finished work on the cross of Calvary. A man by the name of R.A. Torrey said this, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness. The baptism with the Holy Spirit imparts to those who receive it new liberty and fearlessness in testimony for Christ. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit puts some things inside of you that puts fear aside in certain situations. The Holy Spirit puts some things inside of you that allows you to speak up with boldness when it comes to proclaiming the truth and the gospel. So let's dive into this section of Scripture very quickly. And the first thing that I'd like you to see is that bold work requires readiness for good. 
Bold work requires readiness for good. And a dear saint, he's in heaven now, used to pastor the great Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. Adrian Rogers said this, all kindness is just simply love in practical and personal ways. This passage begins in the context, in Titus chapter 3, this, this uh, passage begins in the context of authority. Bible says in verses 1 and 2 of, of chapter 3 of Titus, put them in mind to be subject to the principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Paul is telling Titus to make sure to remind the people that we are living in a world that has a system, and as long as we're living here, we are subject to that system. Now, I know we don't like to hear that, because there are some red-blooded, blooded, flag-waving American people in this room, and you're looking at one of them this morning. I love this land. I love this country. But I don't like what it's become. I don't like what it's become. But guess what? God's called me here. I'm here. So there are things that are happening in the culture that I don't like. I don't like it. But we are subject to them. Paul, This is Paul's principle in these first two verses. Paul is telling uh, Titus to make sure to remind the people that they are living in a world that has a system that we're subject to. These people needed reminding because they were in danger of forgetting. How many of you need reminding sometimes? Yes, all, all four of you. Please, gracious. I'll do it this way. Wives, how many of your husbands need reminding sometimes? There's more hands. Yes, there we go. I know my wife is raising her hand for sure. Seriously, though, some days, for me, some days is just me getting texts and emails from people reminding me to do stuff. That's all it is. Reminding me, reminding me to do stuff. About things that I need to do. You know, the majority of the staff at our church are women. Now, don't get ahead of me here. But the majority of our staff at our church and our church ministries are women. And by the way, we couldn't do what we do without them around, without godly ladies that love the Lord, that want to see God's work move forward. We could not do what we do without them. That, what that means is that during the week, I am surrounded by expert reminders. Expert reminders. Uh, they are experts in reminding. Uh, number one, they're ladies, so reminding comes naturally to them. And I think, I, I can't give you Bible for this, but I think that that was maybe some fine print in the curse in the Garden of Eden. God told Eve that she was going to be subject to her husband. And then, then he turned around to Adam and said, now you're going to go and you're going to till the land and you're going to work in the land. And God told Adam that because he knew that he was going to have to get out of the house. So God created things outside of the house for men to do because God knew that when he told Eve, you're going to be subject to your husband, that there was going to be a lot of reminding going on. 
Man, how many of you know that sometimes it's just good to go to the garage? Right? Right? Could save your marriage one of these days. I don't know. But sometimes it's, sometimes it's okay to just go to another room. Go outside. Mow the grass. Right? Not only are the ladies that work here obviously female, but some of them are married and have children. Let me tell you something. If you have a husband and a teenager living in your home, all you do is remind. That's all, and all God's ladies said, amen. amen. That's all you do most days. It's just reminding them to do things. Are there things that they didn't know about? Or are they things that they already knew about and they just needed reminding? There are probably things they already knew about. In fact, if you've been married for over 10 years, there are probably things that you've told them every day for the past 10 years of your life that these things need to be done. But they needed another reminder. Kind of like the Christians on Crete. They were in danger of forgetting their duty even when they already knew it. Paul says, tell them to be ready to every good work. Titus is to tell the church that they are to do good to them that have the potential to be oppressive. Sometimes the boldest thing you can do, listen, sometimes the boldest thing you can do is live peaceably with all men as much as possible. The boldest thing you can do is not to lose your temper. The boldest thing you can do is to push bitterness aside. The boldest thing you can do is to be ready for every good work, even when you don't feel like it. This verse says to act in meekness to all men. Verse two, not just those that agree with you politically, by the way. That's not what the verse says. He's, he's, telling, the, he's telling Titus, tell these Christians, listen, you don't agree with the political system. You don't agree with the way they treat people. You don't agree with the oppressiveness. But I'm telling you, the Bible says, and God wants you to be meek to all men. The believer's influence for good, Christian's influence for good, ought to be felt in every realm of life. I think of Joseph. I think of Daniel. They were in less than favorable condition. But I tell you what, they lived peaceably, meekness, just kept doing what's right, didn't have any picket signs in their hands. They just did what was right. They lived like they should, and God took care of the rest. Paul says, speak evil of no man, even when there's evil to be spoken of, by the way. Speak evil of no man. This means that Christians aren't supposed to have an argumentative spirit, but a gentle spirit. Sometimes it's easy to forget while we're living in a heathen world that opposes Christianity that we are subject to the authority of this land. The idea of being subject implies willingness. We're willing to do this. Why? Because God's called us to this place. If we were to go down and list the attributes of Crete, we could probably compare them to the attributes of the United States of America today. There is no authority. Everybody has their own truth. Liars, oppressive, hates authority. But you know what? Just like God called Titus to Crete, God's called you and I to right here. We have a mission 
we willingly obey. Romans chapter 13, verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. That uh, verse there means that there is something different about Christian people. We're gentle to those who attack us. We're kind people. I wish I could say that was true all the time. I'm going to tell you right now, some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life claimed Christ as their Savior. It ought not to be named among you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, Let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I want you to look at the end of verse 2 of Titus chapter 3. It says, Showing all meekness to all men, not some meekness to some men, all meekness to all men, A-L-L, all, everybody. Everybody. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who is in presence, I am base among you, but being absent, I am bold towards you. Paul is saying that it is possible, people, to be bold while living in the meekness and gentleness of Jesus Christ. This is done in one way, in one way only, and it's through the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. We can't do this in ourselves. Our flesh is too strong. We can't handle it. But the Holy Spirit can. But the Holy Spirit can. Living in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit makes you ready for every good work. Every good work. The second thing I'd like you to see is this. Bold work requires remembrance. Verses 3 through 7 there. We won't take time to read them again. But verses 3 through 7, Paul is bringing up some things to these Christian people, reminding them what God brought them out of. Hey, Christian people, if you're saved in this room today, there was a time when you were a servant to sin. There was a time. Sometimes we need to remember that the most powerful evangelism tool that we have, aside from the Word of God itself, is your testimony of how God brought you from death to life, from darkness to light. And Paul wanted to Titus to remind these Christian, Christian people, don't be nasty toward the world because such were some of you. But praise God, there's been a great change since I've been born again. And praise God, I've been brought up out of the miry pit and my feet has been set upon a rock. Not because of my own doing. Not because of anything that I have done. He goes into that verse as well. It's not by my righteousness. It's by the righteousness of the precious only Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave His life for you. And let me tell you something. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are living a hopeless, pointless life with the wrath of God on you. He's not for you. He's not your friend. He, he wakes up every day mad at you because you've rejected His Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way for God to take you from wrath to victory is Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary. But I've got some good news for you today. Today, the Bible says that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. You can know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Paul's saying here, hey, listen. Remember. Remember. 
Because all this change is due to one thing, the grace of God. There is no other way that I can explain it. I got saved late enough in life to remember the old Luke. How many of you got saved late enough in life to remember the old you? Hmm. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like the old Luke. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I can remember the Luke that lived a double life. I can remember the Luke that had the wrath of God on him. And all I can say is this. I am what I am today because of His grace, because the holy, spotless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, died in my place. And I'll tell you what, when He died, the old Luke died. And when He raised from the dead, the new Luke raised from the dead. And I don't have to live in the power of that old life anymore because I've now got the power of the Holy Spirit of God on me. How many of you have a rear view mirror in your car? Okay, again, three of you. Other, you, you, you all, <laughs> I don't know if that'll pass inspection. You need, to, you need to go take care of that, okay? Rear view mirror in your car. You know what? That rear view mirror is there for you to do to glance at every once in a while. Now, now don't get me wrong. If you stare at that, you're going to have an accident. You're going to wreck. So that's why the Apostle Paul said, the things that are behind, leave those behind. But here he's saying, you know what, every once in a while, it's okay to glance up there and remember. Remember. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, sometimes to acquire Holy Spirit boldness, we need to remember where God has brought us from and what he's really called us to do. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's by his mercy he saved us. And so the third thing I'd like you to see very quickly is this, that bold work requires repetition. Note verse 8 of chapter 3. Repetition helps us maintain good works, not in order to get to heaven, but to make us profitable while we're here on earth. That's why he says this is a faithful saying. He says in verse 8, affirm constantly. Bold work requires repetition. Remember, your, your testimony is powerful, and your testimony is propped up by your good works. That's why Paul began this section of the letter by reminding us to be ready unto every good work. And then the final thing that I want you to see this morning is that bold work requires removal. Bold work requires removal. Verses 9 through 11, there are things that needed to be added to in our Christian life. And then there are things that we need to remove from our Christian life. He gives us some things here in verses 9 through 11, but avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second abomination reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Paul says here, avoid foolish questions. If you know me, you know that I'm a big proponent 
of you asking questions. I think it's good. When it comes to the Christian life, I think questions are a good thing. But if you get a Bible answer to the questions that you're asking, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. Sometimes we keep asking questions because we don't like the answers we're getting. Sometimes the answer is, don't get me wrong, sometimes there is a chapter and verse, but sometimes there's a principle, and sometimes the principle is have faith. Sometimes the answer is God's in control. Sometimes the answer is trust God. But yet we just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. Christian people, avoid that. If you, if you find your answer, and it's from the Bible, it has a Bible principle to it, move on. Move on. Basically, the theme of verse 9 is stop arguing. That's, that could be the whole sermon for us this morning. Stop it. Stop arguing. You need to avoid those things that lead to nonsensical arguments. Then verses 10 through 13 tells us that there are some people in your life that probably need to be removed. Listen, if you're hanging around people that are constantly pulling you down away from godly things, it's time to move on. Paul, Paul, Paul says, tell them once, give them grace. Tell them twice, give them grace. But after that, Leave and give them grace. It says, after the first and second admonition, in other words, I'm going to tell you once. Here's, here's, how I'm, here's how I'm living. Here, I'm telling you once. I'll tell you again. But after that, see ya. Some of you need to say see ya to some people in your life. There are too many encouraging people that want to be a part of your life for you to be putting yourselves in these types of situations. Sometimes being bold means cutting ties. Sometimes being bold means walking away. I just don't, I just don't want to hurt their feelings, though. I, I mean, I know they're mentally abusing me, but I just don't want to hurt their feelings. You do know that sometimes people need their feelings hurt. Hey, church. You know, sometimes people need their feelings hurt, right? Yeah. There are some circumstances that the Bible allows you to hurt people's feelings. I'm glad that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't walk into the temple and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to mess these people's tables up. Look how nice they all look. I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I don't like what they're doing, but I, I don't, I don't want to mess them up. They probably worked really hard to get these tables all set up. But boy, am I steamed inside. I tell you what, I'm going to give them a look, though. I, they, when they look at my face, they're going to know. They're going to know. They're going to know that they've messed up. <clears throat> Sometimes when we ask, what would Jesus to do? <laughs> Flipping tables over isn't out of the question. Yeah. Now, that has to be absent from anger. Because the Bible says we can be angry, but don't sin in doing it, okay? Don't, don't, don't take that to the next level. But you know what? Some people act the way they do because they've never had anybody flip any tables over in their lives before. Did you know that? Uh, uh, 
people get annoyed with me the most. Now, I'm pretty, a, pretty much a fun-loving guy, pretty loving life, okay? I, I am. But I'll tell you what, people get annoyed with me the most when I use a very simple two-letter word, no. People that have loved me and said they would never leave left when I said, no, we're not doing that. Or no, you can't do that here. No, it's simple, but oh, it's powerful. Because I tell you what, that'll filter some people out of your life when you start saying, nope. Nope. If it doesn't line up with this, nope. Nope, not going to happen. And I'll tell you what, you won't have to leave because I'm going to tell you what, when you start saying that, they will leave. They will leave. So my question to you this morning, church, is are we bold leaders? I'm not talking about beating our chest. I'm not talking about picket signs. I'm not talking about politically changing the world. I'm talking about changing the world through the gospel. Because I got news for you. We're not changing this world politically. Yeah. The next person in the White House, I'm going to just tell you right now, I hope that your hope is in Jesus Christ way more than it is in November of 24. Because do we know what's going to happen? No, but I'm going to tell you right now, whatever it is, it's not going to be good. Why? Because evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Yeah, it's going to wax worse and worse. But, oh, wait a second. That only describes the evil men and seducers. That doesn't describe our God because the Bible says that our God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And through the Holy Spirit of God, we can be bold in this world. <laughs> we can be bold in this world because we can be bold with God. Can you be bold with God this morning? Are you on good terms with Him? Maybe this morning you need to get it right. Let's stand.